I'm Jake and I'm in 10th grade. Uh, Diego and I'm in 10th grade. I'm Paige and I'm in 12th grade. Adam, I'm in uh, 9th grade. What do you think the dictionary definition of a standardized test is? Tests that show growth. A mandatory test that students have to take in school. Tests that we all have to take. Um, a test that students of a certain grade have to take to, in order to finish their education for that year of educating. What is one pro and one con of taking these tests? A pro is we don't have to do it that much, and a con is that that only one that one test is like defining a lot about you. When like it could just be like one test that just says like like makes or break your like education. Uh, one pro is to show like your intelligent level for future college, and uh, a con is that it takes way too long to take it and it's boring. A con is that they're really not that standardized. In a pro, we all get to take it for free. For the pro, it like kind of shows you what you've learned over the year, and also, but the con is like it doesn't do anything. The only like standardized test they ever look at is the SAT usually. It's educated sisters fighting education ignorance. We did it. I'm Kimberly Kay, and this is Melissa Marie, and we are back after a small hiatus because it has been a very, very busy spring, careening toward the end of the school year um, with uh, lots and lots of activities, um, getting ready for lots and lots of celebrations. But we are here, and we are going to try to put together two to three to four more episodes before the end of the school year. And to help us out with that, we have convinced our fantastic interns for this year to jump on board and do an episode each. Right? Mimi? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And so this one coming up is with um, Dave Dumont, who will who has interviewed one of his um, special teachers um, that he's learned a great deal from this year and um, really impressed with Mrs. Butler, who you're going to hear from, and her passion for education. And she really presses against some of these issues about access and equity as they relate to standardized testing. And I have a question for Dave. Um, Hi, Dave. Hi. Hi, Dave. Dave, what was the most interesting thing you learned from Mrs. Butler as you interviewed her? Uh, vocabulary. <laughs> she really pressed on the fact that vocabulary is very important when it comes to learning overall and success. Mm -hmm. um, tell us a tiny bit about why you chose Mrs. Butler. Uh, well, first off, I would just like to say um, earlier, KK, you had mentioned that you had asked us uh, me and Noah to uh, do interviews, our own episodes and everything. Um, it wasn't really you asked us. It was kind of like, hey, this is what you guys are doing at the end of the year. So I just <laughs> wanted to throw that out there. Um, oh, classic. <laughs> oh, revealed, revealed. You've been busted. Um, awesome. And probably just like, uh, I've had Miss Butler for just this entire school year. For uh, first semester, she taught me psych, and now she's taught me soch. And I'm just... The reason I picked her was just because I knew that she knew a lot about the subject uh, for standardized testing, um, and it happened to work out that as the as I had asked her about the interview, if she was willing to do it, we were going over education and uh, how that influences everyone. So it just happened to work out perfectly. 
And how did you how did you feel getting through the standardized testing portion of your senior year? Oh, um, I didn't really have a whole lot. Uh, didn't have to take the SAT because I'm a senior, and I didn't take any AP exams because mm -hmm. not wasting money. Um, and yeah, I only have to take one final at the end of the semester. And I'd say, I guess it's been pretty easygoing compared to what it has been. Yeah, that's great. And and what about your friends? What do you notice in your peer group goes um, on during this time of year? Well, for me personally, I have a lot of underclassmen friends, um, not just at my own school, but at different schools around the area. And I know that as they were taking the SAT and the PSAT and all those things, and even their AP exams, they were uh, freaking out a little bit. They were like, oh, this is going to totally tank my future it's gonna like drop my GPA and I'm just kind of sitting there like nah it's okay you you got this one you're gonna do great and two even if you don't it's not the end of the world and I tried explaining to them like the actual like purpose behind uh, standardized mm -hmm. testing and all of that the voice of reason mm -hmm. I'm sure they appreciated it yeah yeah and I think you hear Mrs. Butler allude to that just some of the um just some of the repercussions of the amount of pressure and the amount of accountability related to, you know, single moments in tests versus um, long range, you know, mm -hmm. assessment and um, learning. And so um, she definitely touches on that. Yeah. And I know, I know having a child who does have some learning challenges, it doesn't mean you get out of um, any sort of standardized testing. And uh, what we have discussed with him in, in the uh, city of New York, they do have an opt-out uh, if you do not want to take them. But what we discussed in our family was that we weren't going to take the opportunity to opt-out opt at this time, um, but that it was a chance to uh, understand how well you do under that kind of pressure. You can test yourself. And um, uh, just to, it's practice. It's all it is, is test practice, mm -hmm. which is uh, valuable. Yeah. It can be very valuable. So thank sure. you to you, Dave. Thank you to you, Dave. And thank you to Mrs. Butler. Yes, of course. Yay. Hi, all you educated peeps. Thank you so much for joining us once again. We wanted to let you know that you can always find us at www.educatedpodcast.com. You can find the episodes there. You can also find them on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. We can also be found at Twitter and on Instagram. And as a, uh, as a special treat, we want to invite anyone who might be interested uh, in becoming a journalism research intern for our podcast to get a hold of us on Twitter and let us know. Uh, we'd love to talk to you. We're looking for someone to maybe back us up on our research for our episodes and help us out on that end of things. So let us know by getting a hold of us at Twitter. Thanks, everybody. Hello, Educated. Welcome back to another great episode as we're coming to a close in the school year. I'm here with one of my favorite teachers this year. If you uh, would like to introduce yourself. I'm Amber Butler. 
42. I came from Colorado and I moved here around 15 years ago to teach here in Michigan. Cool. And what exactly do you teach? I teach uh, behavioral sciences, including AP psychology, psychology, and sociology. All right, very cool. All right. Speaking of behavioral sciences and going into all of that, this is something that I, uh, a topic I had started thinking about in one of her classes: uh, standardized testing. So, uh, Mrs. Butler, in your opinion, what is a standardized test? Well, a standardized test is something that has been vetted through hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of students, and a standard has been reached so that you can then compare other test scores to see where you hold up in a standardized way so you can trust the answers. Generally, these tests are valid and very reliable in their predictors. Uh, they are adequate and um, very successful in predicting college readiness and um, you know whether or not you have the skills to be the critical thinker that you need to be in order to achieve those goals in college. Uh, that was always the point of them, uh, particularly the ones that we use here in Michigan uh, first the ACT and then uh, now the SAT. And then do you think that uh, standardized tests such as like ACT and SAT are fair to all the students? Well, no. They all have a cultural bias. I mean, if you're raised in the United States and uh, you know full well the culture that surrounds you, then most of the questions are relatively easy. Um, they're even easier if you're raised in the United States in wealth because you have had access to a variety of vocabulary and experiences which make you much more well-rounded and make a lot of those questions easier to think through. Uh, often they involve reading and an assumption that you have background knowledge that just doesn't necessarily happen in underprivileged households or in households that are from um, you know, immigrants. So no, they're, they're not fair. They're very culturally biased, and I think that, um, that sometimes this is taken into account, um, but not necessarily by a community that doesn't understand what they're really testing. So knowing that they're not fair to all students, why do you think the government still mandates and like, requires that schools and students take these tests? Well, I mean, the original purpose of standardized testing was to, to hold both students and teachers accountable for the curriculum that is supposed to be taught. Um, I know I took my first standardized test back in first grade, the Iowa Test of Basic Skills, and, and the purpose was, was to basically make sure that students were adequately placed, um, that they were learning and progressing in a way that they were supposed to, and, um, and that's all it was used for. Uh, and now we use these tests... <clears throat> not only to predict college readiness, but to basically, uh, without really truly teaching kids how to interpret the, stores, the scores, telling kids whether they're smart or not. And that's really what the scores end up meaning to the student who receives them. They receive a below average score. Um, wow, is that a kick in the face? Whether you want to admit it or not, I mean, there's a lot of students that would say, well, I just didn't try, or you know, I don't care about it. But I, I think none of us likes being told with a score that we're stupid. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that that, that that particularly can have detrimental effects on kids that have been demeaned in a classroom for a variety of reasons. And, and it's not always the teacher, although they sometimes can do this. It's, it's classmates. It's just themselves. You know, sometimes you're your worst enemy inside your head. where You, you are very negative and self-critical. And because it's so internal, n nobody ever talks to you about it. You don't discuss those things that you feel most inadequate about, and so you just ruminate, and, and it becomes this yuck that nobody addresses because you don't ever tell anybody, and uh, I think there's a lot of students that
that feel that, you know, only about 60% of high school students around that go, end up going to, to well, less than that, um, go to college, and even fewer get a four-year degree. And so I, I think giving this test that was only meant to predict college readiness and using it to really assess whether kids have achieved some specific goal, I'm not sure it's really doing what we want it to do. We're expecting every kid to attain the same standard, and I don't, I don't really want all my students to go to college. Yeah. And I don't, I don't really want everybody to feel like that's the only way that they're ever going to be successful as contributing members of this society. That's just not the way that the world works. And I think that it's really sort of had an unintended consequence of driving kids away from trade. And, and that's left a huge gap in our economy that's got to be dealt with. So, you know, I, get, I understand why legislators put these in place. I, I don't mind being held accountable. I just think that there's a different way that we can do it that's less onerous to not only teachers but also students. I'm just, I'm not sure what the answer to that is, and I think yeah. that's why we continue to put billions of dollars towards standardized tests because at least it is something that holds us accountable, and there's not an easy alternative. I mean, what would the alternative be? Projects that you do at the end of the school year, who grades them? You know, how do we know that I'm grading them in the same way that somebody else is grading? I mean, one nice thing about a standardized test is that it is standard. And we want to be able to compare apples to apples and oranges to oranges, and sometimes that's just not possible. Yeah, it's not best for everyone. Yeah. Tracking. What is tracking? Oh, well, tracking is, um, and listen, I, uh, as a teacher, I've seen the benefits of tracking. You know, there is, there is, I've taught essentials class. Anyway, let me tell you what it is. <laughs> so tracking is basically where you, um, you just, you decide, we decide, um, uh, usually with parents' input, although not always, uh, how or what classes a student should be in. So this would be in, in um, elementary school, something like a gifted and talented program, which uh, has kind of slowly disappeared. Uh, it might be that you have, uh, you've been identified as a, remedi a remedial um, reader or that you need help in math or whatever. And, uh, and you might get some help in elementary school. And this is a really good thing. Right? And middle school, um, generally some kids are identified that need a little bit of help. You might do a math lab or you might get some, again, remedial help. By the time you get to high school, generally you're tracked into a couple of different pathways. If you've been identified as an at-risk student who is needing help in reading or math, um, in critical thinking, then generally you'll be put into either resource classrooms if they're available, um, if you're a special education student. Uh, you might be put into a regular, gen what we call general education classes, which are just your average student. Uh, you might be put in honors classes uh, if you've been identified as a gifted or um, a talented student of some way. Uh, and so once you've been identified as those, you could look at them as a label, and you act according to that label. So if you are seen as an honor student, then you're put with a bunch of other students that also are honor students, and uh, you have these certain particular behaviors and um, expectations that go along with that designation. And you're in those classes, and you're taught to critically think for the most part. And um, generally, those kids that are tracked into honors classes do fairly well on standardized tests and end up going into college. And you're, and you're given those skills that make college attainable and, and make your time there successful. Regular ed students also have this opportunity if they're pushing themselves, if they rise to the top of their class and they're challenging themselves, they have good teachers that are doing the same thing. This can be good. 
Um, but there's also an element that um, becomes uh, more behavior oriented. So instead of the teacher spending time on how to critically think about the foundation that they've been able to give kids, it's more of here's the foundation, but a lot of my time has been spent with behaviors which makes it really hard to get to the higher level thinking. Uh, because of this, if you don't have any outside help, you don't have parents at home that are helping you get a critical think, or you, you haven't taken other classes that have done the same thing, well, then you might be a relatively smart person, but you've never been asked to critically think, and because you've never been asked to critically think, you're not ready or prepared for that in college, and your freshman and sophomore year might be a little bit more difficult. Still possible, but difficult. The purpose of this is to put you in a classroom where that is homogeneous, that where everyone is learning at the same level and the teacher can go at a particular pace. This works. There are downsides. Uh, if you get a classroom full of students that really don't have a desire to learn, um, it's hard to pick out the winners. It's hard to get kids that actually know how to be a student and set that example. So you have a classroom full of students. None of them really know how to do the, you know, to be a student. And as much as I'd love to say that I'm the most wonderful role model ever, I'm not always what students are learning from. You know, they learn a lot from their peers and what they see. Uh, that example just doesn't exist. And because of it, sometimes it's hard to get kids to adopt the type of behaviors that they need in order to be successful. Whereas in an honors class, you have lots of, of these examples. They're all over the place. So a teacher that would argue against tracking would say that, Yes, the, the fact that a classroom isn't homogeneous makes it more difficult to go at a pace, but if you're using your learners in a way that's beneficial, then you have the honors students that are pulling up the regular ed students. The regular ed students have this behavior expectations that's much higher, um, and you might be able to pull up everybody. The argument against this is that the honors students that are sort of uh, doing the teacher's job to a certain extent and might miss out on learning or critical thinking that they'd be able to do in a classroom if it were only honors students. Yeah. So th because there's arguments to both sides, this is why if you stay in teaching long enough, you realize that almost every interventional pro intervention program and, and professional development is cyclical. It'll start, it'll get, you know, everybody will be excited about this particular thing when you're it's tracking and that'll stay for a few years, five years, 10 years. And then after that, there'll be some research that will say, hey, that's not really the best thing. And so all schools will change and we won't track anymore. And then we'll see all the problems that come with not tracking and then it'll switch and then we'll go back to tracking. And there just isn't an easy solution because there's so many pros and cons to both sides. It's like any other controversy. If the solution were that easy, we wouldn't, we wouldn't still be arguing about whether it's doable. Yeah. There are pros and cons to doing it. There are pros and cons to not doing it. And then how do you think that standardized tests play a role within the tracking system and all of that? Well, I mean, obviously, once you're given that label as a, uh, you know, a regular or gen general education student uh, or, or, or resource student, you're put in where you're not really held to the same standards, you're not taught to critically think, a lot of those questions become difficult when they don't need to be. So, um, it is can you be the exception to the rule? Absolutely. Again, parental involvement, your own your own effort. You know, there's nothing to stop a student from getting help from a teacher. That's you know, and and I know I put myself out there to try to help kids get better at reading or get better at just math logic. Um, but one of the things we see in in a lot of kids in general education classes is just an overall lack of of intrinsic motivation that desire to succeed within that doesn't that's not triggered by grades or by rewards or anything else they just want to learn whereas we see more of that in honors now whether that's because they're in honors classes or because they always had that and that's why they're in honors classes i can only see the correlation i can't see causation yeah. 
Um, but yeah, it matters. It matters because ultimately you're not given the critical thinking skills within the classroom per se automatically that you would be given in a good honors classroom. And so you're automatically put at a disadvantage for your test scores if, not, if you don't have any outside help. You know, you haven't been to a tutor for this, or you haven't, your parents don't have the wealth to try to provide outside support for achieving these tests. And you know, we look at just the difference between tracking honors students here and regular or gen general education students. But honestly, if you really want to see the gap, the gap between just our average middle, middle class public education student and a private school student with wealthy parents who not only pay to have them in smaller classrooms um, with you know uh, less students and more one-on-one -on -one time, but they also pay for tutors and all of these other advantages, which then open up all kinds of opportunities that your average middle you know middle class public school attendee will never have. Yeah. So, you know, tracking is an issue, but class plays a huge role as well. And then as the school year is coming to a close, teachers and students are preparing for final exams and AP exams and things. So with all those tests in mind, what do you like what are some of the like best ways to like study and prepare students? Vocabulary. <laughs> vocabulary, <laughs> vocabulary, vocabulary. Honestly, if I could get if I could just two things I would give to all students if I could just give them. Uh, a desire to want to learn as many words as possible. The more words you have, the more you own, the more you understand, the more you can apply. Words are, are huge. So words, more and more and more and more words. And life experience, world experience. Um, we, we get stuck in our own little bubbles so often, you know, we pay attention to only the things that we are interested in. Uh, and, and that sort of limits our experience. And because of that, we have very little, it's, it's hard to apply or critically think about almost anything you're learning your junior and senior year if you haven't been paying attention to the world. Yeah. If all you have is your own little bubble of life experience within your own culture, your own family, your own school, your own bubble, then talking about the things that you really need to be critically thinking about and applying all those voca that vocabulary just becomes increasingly more difficult and boring because students don't get it. They just don't understand. And when you, I mean, I don't know how, what you do when you don't understand, but when I don't understand and it's going way above my head, I, shut, I sometimes will just stop paying attention. And I think sometimes that happens. Um, kids just stop paying attention and and, and, and who's on their Twitter feed or whatever is happening in their own little bubble becomes increasingly more important and more... I, they understand that. Yeah. You know, they understand what's happening in their social world. They understand how to... They, they feel good and confident navigating that. The world equals anxiety and misunderstandings and... Life. And I think that sometimes, especially the kids who need to wake up the most, will bury their heads in the sand the, the fastest. So how can they prepare? Vocabulary. Voca vocabulary, honestly. And remember that it's not, it's not about earning a grade. It's not about achieving a test score. It's not, it's not about any of that. It, it's, it's about... What are you learning? Why are, why are you learning that thing? And what are you going to do 
with it when you're done. Yeah. If you can't answer those questions, then, then quite frankly, no standardized test is really going to, it's not going to help you long term. Again, what are you learning? Why are you learning it? And what are you going to do with it once you've learned it? Um, answer those questions with what you're learning. That'll take you farther than preparing for a standardized test. Answering those questions will prepare you because it will force you to critically think. And most of those standardized tests, that's all they're doing. They're asking you to read passages and critically think about what the passage is saying. So if you're practicing that on the regular, the point is not to, to, to study for those things um, in, in a, I can't give you a list of things to study. That's, that's not the point of those, what we call aptitude tests. Um, that's the point of an achievement test. An achievement test is like the chapter test that you take at the end of a unit. Yeah. You know, that's an achievement test. You can study for that. There's a specified list of vocabulary, I'm sure, that you've been given or objectives or whatever it is that you're supposed to learn. An aptitude test, there's no, that's not what it's about. It's just about learning to critically think. So if you can find it within yourself to critically think about what you're learning, well, you're practicing. So critically think. And vocabulary. <laughs> vocabulary. <laughs> Eat up as many words as you possibly can and go beyond the definition. Now, what does the word mean? Why, why should you be learning it? How can, can you find examples of it? Can you tell me the opposite of it? You know, what? actually thinking about what the word means as opposed to just memorizing some definition, but again, critically thinking. Yeah. I think so often we just want to be spoon-fed the answers, and that's why we're having a hard time on these, because it's easier as instructors to spoon-feed you answers than it is to force you to come up and take the time to teach you to critically think and come up with those answers yourself. And I'm guilty of this, too. I have a limited amount of time to get a wealth of information out. And as much as I'd like to be able to slowly get through, I have kids that are reading at a fourth grade level and kids that are reading at a, at a postgraduate level. So, yep. About a quarter of my classes I could get through like this, but I'm leaving three quarters behind. And that's, I can't do that. So sometimes, sometimes I spoon feed and I pick and choose what I want kids to critically think about. But honestly, best advice, critically think vocabulary. <laughs> as much vocabulary as you can get your head on, even vocabulary that professors or teachers don't give you. You find a word that's important, you think that it can be applied in different ways, start creating your own vocabulary lists. You know, go, go out there and see what, you know, what book, they, there are whole books on vocabulary for college-bound students or for, get a book. Start learning on your own instead of expecting other people to provide you with the resources and, and the things that you need. I've never had a class provide me with everything I needed to be successful. I always had to do some outside research, whether it was getting another book, going to see another professor, talking to another teacher, doing some online research. There was always something that I had to do beyond what was just given to me. And I think that's what separates those of us that really want to be successful and have a high work ethic from those that just want to do as little as we possibly can to get by and expect to get the same results. Yeah. So, you know, it's like anything else, what you put into it. But vocabulary. <laughs> vocabulary is key. Vocabulary is key. I will keep that in mind for my final exams at the end of the year. Mrs. Butler, thank you so much for this interview opportunity. You are very welcome. I hope it gave you everything you needed. In a world with too few jokes.
and too few laughs. To the rescue comes Papa Ron. What did the tie say to the hat? You go on ahead and I'll hang around. (laughs) 